I just thought of this really meticulous physical detail about this picture that really bothers me. Did anyone <laughs> else catch this? It's at minute 87 of a nine-hour game. Did anybody else see that? Hit us up on Twitter. It's the basis of my journalism, David. <laughs> What day is it? It's Wednesday. It's July 29th. The year is 2020. You are listening to Underdogs. My name is Jacob Eamon. With me today, I think, is David Patrick Fleming. How, how are you doing, David? I don't, Had a long I night? Get, I don't get that introduction. With me, you think? <laughs> I like, can't what, tell. What part, what part of you aren't you sure that I'm... That is me being... Oh, man, I can't even talk. I am tired. <laughs> this is... Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. I got off work last night around 1 a.m. I came home, tried to watch the Blue Jays game, gave it my college best. It was on, and my eyes were looking at it. It was just my, my absorption, absorption level was low. This is going to be rough today. This what? is going to be rough. I can already feel my tongue's not working. It's mashing into my teeth. I'm excited. Uh, maybe we're going to get somewhere real loopy today. Real fun. Yeah. In a way, it's like I'm on the Rebaxa set that you were on yesterday, but... Uh, I'm on that, it again today, so don't worry about that. Uh, fuck, let's just throw sports out the window <laughs> and let's just gab. Let's just gab about life. I, I'm, my daily routine now is before water, before coffee, before food, Robax. Boom. Get that into my stomach, see what it can do. Robaxa set pills are huge. Yeah, they are. Do you have a hard time taking those pills? Not at all. I take one of those and my allergy pill at the same time. My allergy pills. I have allergies. I have to wake up and my nose is stuffy and I'm cranky. Yeah. So, that so, was actually Jacob's voice. I know a lot of people probably think that I was just doing that, but that was actually Jacob. What was going on at work tonight or last night? Did you, did you have a good night? Man, it was so busy. The... Uh, the city's allowed the uh, tables to be moved to the street. So there's Perfect. these pylons on the street. Now, this is Young Street. This is the longest street in the country. This is arguably the busiest city street in the entire country. And you've got rickety tables sitting on uneven pavement. And people are just sitting there as cars and bikes whip by. One of the most overrated streets in the world, I think, as well. Just throwing that out there. Overrated? Like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, like, you think people think Young Street's a good street? Well, when people come to Toronto, tourists are like, we gotta go to Young Street, let's head on down, and it sucks. There's nothing good about Young Street. <laughs> Maybe it used to be fun, like in the 80s and stuff, but man, it's brutal. Yeah, I think about that sometimes when I go to other cities. Am I just on their Young Street? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that this is what this city has to offer. <laughs> and so there's times when I'm like peppering pasta and I can like feel the cars whipping by me. And I'm like, am I, am I going down? Is this how I go down? Do I just die here on Young Street when a car just veers out of the way by a foot and then takes me out and then my body gets mangled into a street post and I've got bolognese all over me and like that's just my end and 
because the owners of that restaurant are so worried about making money, they just throw my body into a recycle bin and they just move it down the street and the night continues and nobody really knows my story. <laughs> I don't feel like you're long for this job. Every shift feels like house money. It just, <laughs> it just feels like money I wouldn't have had otherwise and I'm just going to take it and run. So I'm just going to say, all right, checkmate. <laughs> have a good day <laughs> i was gonna say i kind of imagined you walking out of the restaurant like joe kelly last night walking off the mound <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's nothing when i was watching that video and i was sort of on joe kelly's side i don't mind joe kelly but that's right up my alley for something that sends me into a violent fit of anger but somebody i love does that. joe when kelly I, when i'm when i'm already angry and somebody plays the Oh, it looks like somebody's a bit cranky. <laughs> oh, fuck. That drives me nuts. Nice swing, bitch. Oh, man, that really... I love... But I will say, I don't know if you saw this, on social media also there was a video of Joe Kelly in the before the season started he's in his backyard and he has this massive target set up in his backyard and he's trying to throw this new change up which is i think the pitch that went over bregman's head and he breaks the window to his house yes <laughs> so he doesn't he doesn't have good control of this changeover it's not a pitch that he's really that comfortable with. and it looks the exact same trajectory as the one that went over Bregman's head. Now, do i think that it was a mistake? No, i do not. It's it's just funny to me that that Joe Kelly would be so uh, in the face of Correa after just how terrible his, well, not terrible, but he just clearly had no command at all. Couldn't, could barely throw any strikes. Finally gets a, gets the strike out on, on Correa and then, <laughs> then has that reaction to it. I, when I was watching these clips, I don't know what you thought about this and I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm right about this, but the umpire didn't do anything but warn the Astros. Am I am I right about that? That's what I that's what I saw. I don't know. I didn't see like I didn't see an unedited version of it. Um, I saw a couple of different clips of it. I watched the John Boy breakdown of it. Um, shout out uh, were, to John Boy. Were you surprised that uh, the pitchers weren't thrown out? I mean, those were headshots. Do you think the umpires sort of are a part of it in a way where it's like, well, you deserve something. I'm going to let something happen. As long as no balls co make contact with you, I'm going to allow them to headhunt until they make contact. I think unless it's fastball, unless it makes contact, no one's getting a warning. <laughs> and especially uh, since Joe Kelly's command was all over the place, like he, he, the balls were going everywhere. And he got to, he, I, I like the John Boy breakdown. He gets to the 3 0 count, and then there's just this zoom in on Kelly. And John Boy is like, You can tell that he's thinking, like, What can I do here? He knows he's going to walk him, try and get a double play. Man, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just bean this guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more pathetic in baseball than a socially distanced bench clearing brawl. Do you think it's got to continue tonight, though, right? Well, Dusty Baker sure made it seem like it would. He said, we won't start anything, but we certainly won't put up with it either. Mm. So I don't imagine you can't say something like that and then just go out and play a nice clean game. It would be interesting if the, uh, or if the Dodgers started throwing at them but kept missing and then someone on the Astros threw and did hit. And so they yeah, like really up, hurt somebody. So yeah. it's like they wake up being even more scummy. Now, I want to ask you this, David. If... If someone like perhaps Alex Bregman did get smoked in the neck, 
<laughs> in the head. And Bregman's out, I don't know, three, four weeks with a concussion. Are you feeling at all remorseful about your enjoyment of this? Uh, yeah, I don't want somebody to get hit in the neck or the head. I just, I, in fact, I actually find it more entertaining to for them not to be hit, but for it to be clear attempts at being hit. I think that's way scarier because it gets them in their head. There's, they're not actually getting hit. And I, I think there's, there's more, when you get hit with something, it's like this quick moment of like this pain and you kind of manage it, and then you can go to first base. But when the ball's whizzing over you, it's your imagination that takes over. Like, oh, God, like that could have ended my life. That could have killed me. But it doesn't even hit you, but it, it, it spurs your imagination. So I actually think that that's a far more vindictive thing to do than actually hit somebody. I don't want anybody to get hit. I'm not going to be the guy who stands up and, and, and applauds when Kevin Durant goes down with an Achilles tear. I'm not going to be the guy who stands well, up that's when different. somebody gets hit in the neck. That's different. Kevin Durant, as far as we know, didn't blatantly cheat for three years and win, yeah, a, but, win a championship because of it. But we, but we also don't know who did or who didn't cheat in baseball, you know? Yeah, we do. It's, it's, it's like, no, we don't for sure. You don't really know. You know that one team got caught pretty bad and they were taking it maybe another step. I thought you, you meant don't specific know. players because, uh, you know, the evidence is very clear. I can watch many videos of Alex Bregman hitting a home run sure. after a nice loud trash can bang. But it's sort of like the same thing about being like, you did fucking steroids, Barry Bonds. You're a piece of trash. And it's like, who else did steroids? Probably most people. Yeah. I got no problem with the steroids. <laughs> I got no problem with the steroids either. I wish that they'd do more steroids. I wish that they were doing so much steroids that they never got injured and that they were just mashing the ball all the time and throwing 110. Yeah, no warnings from the umpires. Um, we'll see what happens tonight. Did you know that umpires and players are going to be flying on the same planes as each other now? You I hear this? That. I was like thinking about that like it's like the world's most awkward date when you take like an hour Uber home with each other. Oh yeah. It's got to be so weird for both sides. But you know, I was I was sort of imagining a, a, like a baseball style argument on the plane. You know, tensions get high on the plane, maybe the team's coming off a loss or something. And there's a player sitting in the aisle in front of in front of let's just say Joe West. You know, there's a player sitting in front of Joe West and and before they take off, Joe West is just like, just want you to know, like, you can recline a little bit. You got like this kind of like, you got like three inches recline, but I don't want you going past there. And uh, and then midway through the flight, player leans back a little bit. And Joe West is like, that chair is way too far back on me. You got to get it out of here. My legs are huge. I've got no room. The player's like, what are, you, what, what are you talking about? That was not even close to going all the way back. I put it slightly back. And then I've got a lot of strength in my chest. You know, I've got a heavy back. I use that for power when I'm hitting. And when I lean back in the chair, it moves a little bit more. That's just my weight. 
And and Joe West is like, that was all the way back. I want you out of here. You got to go sit somewhere else. And then suddenly you see the manager kind of storming up the aisle. He's there and he's like, what are you doing moving my guys? They got to sleep. They got to rest. I got to deal with your shit call all game. And now you're going to fuck me on my plane. You're not even supposed to be here. I saw the play. He barely had the chair back at all, you cussbucker. And then Joe West is like, that's it. You're out of here. And he does the big throw out gesture. And then the flight attendant just opens up the door to the airplane the manager flies out into the night sky he's gone i think that i think that like that that's like the on-field dynamic between umpires and players but i think on a plane there's <laughs> the umpire has no power whatsoever he's around a bunch of young millionaires and they don't give a fuck about him i feel like if joe west was on that plane and they had a bad game with joe west they would hog tie him into the washroom on the plane they would tear his pants down they would just start smacking his ass with bats and they would just like put a piece of tape over his mouth and they would just take turns urinating on him i don't think that in any way shape or form that they're um intimidated by umpires off the field just these old sad men <laughs> sitting in the back of the plane you could i could also imagine them having like a really nice relationship with each other off of it you know like maybe they come and sit and someone wants to talk to joe west about his like 89 years of history of umpiring a game and they have like a casual conversation maybe play some cards or something get get the kind of history of the game going from him i don't know it could be nice um let's let's talk a little bit about the game last night the blue jays are champions pretty much um they went up three two um a nice dominant found i wouldn't say dominant but a, a fairly comfortable victory against the the reigning champions, the Washington Nationals, Tanner Roark, uh, surprisingly great. His curveball yeah, I... is sweet. Um, he must have been on a pitch count, though. Uh, maybe he wasn't expected to get as far as he did. He was cruising through. His pitch count was low, and then Charlie takes him out. And I'm like, after all of this talk about bullpen management and hopefully – you know, letting all these guys who are, who are working three nights in a row, all our leverage relievers that, I don't know, maybe we maybe we let Roark go a little longer, see if he can get six. He, he must have not been ready because, like I was saying yesterday, all the things that I read kind of made it seem like he wasn't putting too much thought into baseball in the uh, quarantine. Yeah. So maybe he had a pitch counter. Maybe, maybe you leave him in because – or maybe you take him out because – taking him out when he had that kind of performance is really good for him mentally to kind of get his season going yeah maybe if that is the case that's some balls on charlie because charlie is getting shit on this <laughs> oh, yeah. past week and if and if Wagisback went in there in the sixth and started coughing up runs and i thought he might he 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 was he was real wild in his first uh at bat he walked his first but then he he was pretty great. I mean, I feel like half of Charlie Montoyo's decisions come from the high performance department. Blue Jays put so much stock into that. And I feel like that's why you see Vladdy DHing all the time, playing first base only half the games, you know, pitchers coming out when they do, especially early in the season like this. I feel like half the decisions Charlie makes come from high performance and another, the other half come from the GM and president. But yeah, pretty. Pretty nice game against the Nationals. I got to say, uh, Nationals look pretty average to me, especially without uh, 
Juan Soto. There's, they also don't have Zimmerman, which is a big is a big piece to lose. Like they're and they're they're not they're not at full steam. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean now basically their their best player is Trey Turner, and you know I I love Trey Turner. It's a real fun style of player. You know he gets he gets on base and he burns and he's scary when it's he's real, on the base. It's a real real rare style of player now. Too. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that and especially rare because there is his sort of style of player of you know real burners on the on the bases great defense but they barely get on base um but he he's he's got a nice bat you know he gets us he gets a lot of hits he takes his walks because he knows he just needs to get on the base and then he makes pitchers terrified of him stealing um he's he's fairly lethal but uh when that's your best dude and then i guess adam eaton who's just like you're not terrified of his bat but he just seems annoying you're like oh god this guy this guy makes me work really hard when i was at work i got the uh the notification that vladdy hit a home run and i was like fuck yeah baby here we go this is it this is the turning point he had a tough game yesterday and and he found himself and now he's gonna go on a tear and then i saw the home run i was like that is a cheap home run that is a very cheap home run i barely think of that as a home run it did still clear the fence it did and they were making it seem like it was popped over the fence by the glove but it seemed like his home run took the glove off of uh Robles hand yeah that's that's definitely how I prefer to think of it it's basically <laughs> his a home run was hit so hard it blew his glove off of his hand it wasn't a it wasn't a cheap home run it he almost killed a man yes that's exactly what happened Brandon Drury um I gotta say he's without a doubt the best looking Blue Jay on the roster wow that's a bold statement I think he's gorgeous he's my favorite player now um <laughs> You know I've always been a fan of him. I think I think Drury's going to turn into something because of his good looks. That's how the world works when you're yeah, good Yeah, maybe looking. like an announcer or like uh like a model or cuz uh it's not great at baseball, but there's a lot of other avenues that he could take with it when he looks that way. You're absolutely right. He He's, could be somebody. He could be like an Instagram workout guy. He could be like a professional boyfriend. He's really good at third base. His arm is excellent. He's got nice biceps. They work with. <laughs> Look, I got to say now, I wish that I didn't cut that bit in an episode about Rowdy's hair. I think we probably did five minutes, a whole segment about Rowdy's hair. Um, but it was in a stretch where we were, it felt like we were just ripping on the Jays. We, you know, going on about Vladdy's fatness, and I don't remember what else we were doing. But there was a stretch where it just felt like we had too much negativity about f- people's physical appearance on the Jays, and so I cut this thing about um, about uh, Rowdy's hair. But now I feel like we, you know, we were talking about it before Dan and Buck were talking about it, and. He's he's shaved the head. He when he first did it, he had the skull cap on. I feel like the next night he had the the skull cap as a little uh, headband, and then last night nothing. He's letting it out, showing the world his scalp, and I don't think it's a bad look for him. I'm wondering what you think of him. I, what- I think it's funny, like the like how bald he got before he decided to shave his head, and then 
the the paring down of the skull cap it was almost it's almost like he's like guys i i need to admit something to you <laughs> i i am fully bald and everyone's like yeah man we know uh, you've been fully bald for a couple of years you look like a cabbage patch doll with a tuft of hair on your head and now you finally shaved your head so we get it yeah i think he looks all right though i think he just needs to shave the beard a bit more I think it's got to start. Basically, you got to start fading it when you when 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 you got the skull. I think it's a strange look to have full beard that just ends at the top of the ear, and you shave everything scalp. I think uh, look you gotta, at Chase Anderson. Look what he's doing. Look at the style <laughs> and personality that he's bringing to this. And and Rowdy, we like that you're finally stepping into your space and shaving your head and like admitting who you are. But. It's just there's an imbalance with the beard, okay? So let's sit you down in this chair. Um, Rowdy Telez squared around to bunt in the fourth on the first pitch. I don't know if anyone out there saw that, had any questions about it. He, he put the bat out, and then he brought it back in, watched it go straight down the gut, and I was just like, what were you, what were you planning there, Rowdy? Were you thinking about it? Have you been practicing the bunt? Way to waste the one hittable pitch that you're going to get in the entire at-bat. Now why don't you swing at some curveballs in the dirt? Who is he thinking he was going to outrun? Uh, was there, a sh there must have been a shift on. They must shift on him. I don't think that he could beat that even with a massive shift. I think the pitcher could go and get it at third base and still throw him out. I think the right fielder could run in <laughs> to get that bunt and still throw out Rowdy. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just thought it was funny. I, I really liked it. Rowdy had a nice hit, nice, nice hit later in the game. Um, he got that average up above eighty three, which was where it was at, which is, which is a plus. Things, things change fast in the average right now. You know, you can go from uh, hitting four hundred to three twenty three with one at bat, or something, something like that. Underdogs now does analytics. So we got we got Nate Pearson uh, pitching tonight. <laughs> it's a big it's a big night. He's going up against Max Scherzer. Um, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Now in the future, we won't really know what we're waiting for anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it's like all of the riches have come to us. We're still not satisfied. What do we, what do we have to look forward to after this? I don't know. Uh, but he's not on the forty man roster, so someone's got to come off today. It's, I'm sure the news has been announced as we're recording this, so this conversation will be moot. But who do who do you think they might uh, get rid of? There's, I just there's think no whoever wants to. I think you go into the clubhouse <laughs> and you say, hey, "Who doesn't want to do this anymore?" And you know, maybe five, six hands go up, and maybe they play rock, scissors, papers, and then you know, what it's rock, kind of scissors, <laughs> papers? It says that <laughs> you know, rocks and scissors and 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 sheets of papers, and then they play that for a couple rounds, and then maybe uh, the two finalists have like um, a cold cock competition where. They have to. Whoever gets knocked out first gets to uh, gets to leave. Kimbo Slice shows up. <laughs> he he's like touch fists, dudes. <laughs> um, 
there's no op. They've got no options for Fisher or Alford, so that's not ideal. But maybe it's time to see if anyone would actually want Alford. But then again, I was thinking I was going through this in my head, and I'm like, oh, that. I don't think we can have a conscience and conscience and put anyone on waivers right now because I'm pretty sure there's someone in the Miami Marlins organization whose single job it is right now to press refresh oh, on, on the waiver wire oh, like website. So and that who anyone that goes on waivers right now is immediately going to Miami and you're ruining their lives, maybe like killing them. An, it's like being an orphaned child and they take you to the house you're going to live at and some disgusting man opens the front door with a singlet on, mustard stains, hairy balls sticking out of his ripped underwear. He's eating a turkey drumstick and you're like, this is your new home. Yeah, they made a, 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 a children's novel series about that called A Series of Unfortunate Events. <laughs> Um, that's a really good point, though, because that's probably the fear. They're they're just going to vacuum up anybody who comes off of, uh, comes on waivers. Yeah, they've lost half of their team. <laughs> I would also hate to see Espinal lose a spot. He seems nice. Oh, I don't think he'll lose the spot. Uh, he Not seems with useful. Being hurt. Yeah, way. yeah, that's fair. He got his first big league hit last night. Maybe, uh, maybe old Derek Moran. Yeah, that would seem right to me. All right, let's say that it's Derek Moran. Let's call it underdogs. Um, he's the guy, if you're listening, we know it. <laughs> you would think. I, I don't know. I was trying to weigh the the, the thing because I'm like, all right, Charlie, you got to get used to managing a bullpen that is normal size. I don't know how many dudes they have in there. I could probably look it up, but they've got too many. And then I was like, but also maybe they don't need like five outfielders like maybe you can choose between alfred and fisher at this point you've you've got to choose fisher right i think that they would let alfred go before fisher that's yeah. the way i mean that's oh i thought you were saying you got to choose fisher to drop but you're no, saying no no you choose no, no fisher to keep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. even if it's just for the handedness you've got to like the handedness when and do, I, i'm kind of serious in that way now uh, I've been thinking, I was thinking, I was watching the game last night and thinking about the last couple of games, this left, right, left, right thing, how valuable that is, especially this season with the three batter minimum. And I'm kind of thinking back to making fun of, of Ross Atkins talking about the handedness of the dude. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice now. We've got a real nice balance of left-handed and right-handed hitters that we haven't had for years on this team. My sense with Derek Fisher is he could bat from the right side and it would be equally as effective. I don't know uh, what he's doing in the left side of the box that a pitcher is concerned about. I don't, I don't think that any game plans revolve around what Derek Fisher is going to do from the left side of the box. You know, Derek Fisher uh, functions well if he hits a ball into the sun. And then, uh, uh, like, he'll always run really hard. And, like, if the fielder drops it, then good on Derek Fisher. Not a lot of players would get to third base like he did the other night. But outside of that, um, you, could, you could turn the channel and come back, and you'd, I think you'd, you'd get a sense of what happened. It's a pretty textbook uh, situation. But I have not seen Tony Alford with Dante Bichette hitting Whisperer. He... Uh, Tony Alford seems to spend most of his time with Bobichet hitting Whisperer's son. So 
I don't know. I feel like he's got to go straight friends. to the they source. Played, they played together for a while, which might help Alfred. Like maybe that's a thing. I don't think the front office cares about stuff like that, but maybe it does when it's like when you're at the level of Bo and you know Dante's also a part of the team. I don't. Bo, know. Bo Bichette might be the godfather of the team. Yeah, I don't remember uh, the Godfather movie that well, but um, is there a scene where the Godfather has a bad hamstring and he just has to sit down for a while and he loses all of his status and nobody uh, cares about what he thinks anymore? Mm, yeah, that's the opening scene of Godfather Part 2. I'm going to make you an offer. You get, ow, oh, ah, that, oh, that, I mean, it's not popped or ripped, but it stings. I'm going to sit down for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to go to bed. We didn't even mention, uh, Kevin Biggio played right field last night and I, I didn't even really notice. He made well, some, some nice catches out there and he just kind of did his job and I didn't really, I was like very excited about it when the game started. I saw the line. I was like, oh yeah. Cabin, right. And then uh, just went by, didn't notice. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking that baseball is sort of trending towards these young athletic players that are almost have more fluidity in their positions. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that. I think it's awesome when, when players can just sort of move around and adapt to new positions. It helps you out so much in terms of injuries and giving people rest and stuff like that. Um, and when you've seen Teoscar out there, anybody could play out there. It's fine. Does it surprise you at all how serious Lourdes Gurriel Jr. seems to be about wearing masks? I found it extremely odd in the uh, post-game interview when we were listening to a translator talk for him while he wore a mask and the camera was just on him. Mm. It felt like we were watching a hostage video. I didn't quite understand what the point of it was. I was like, are you not in that room by yourself? Why are you wearing the mask? I, I don't fully understand. There's been a bunch of weird mask things. Like I've seen Teoscar at the plate, no mask. And then I've seen him in right field wearing a mask when he's got hundreds of feet between him and anybody else that's around him. And I'm like, what is being told to you guys about what this virus is and how it functions? It's not a pack of coyotes that hunts people who are alone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the air and it will not come and hunt you out in right field if nobody's around. Maybe maybe with Guriel in that press conference, he's just trying to set an example. You know, if people see him wearing the mask, they see him really taking it seriously, even in places where he doesn't necessarily need the mask, then it'll be a good look and it'll maybe inspire others to wear masks. Maybe others on the team wear masks. Maybe Vladdy will wear the mask on his nose instead of just his mouth. I don't know. Flatty oxygen also goes in through your nose and also out your nose. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, I, it's changed a bit on me, but I thought kind of earlier in the week before the Marlins thing when I saw Guriel always wearing the mask, it's kind of surprising. You know, it seems almost like a on a team where nobody or most people aren't wearing the mask, it's almost like an A type, like, like a square to be one of the full-time mask wearers on a baseball team with all those dudes. And I just kind of assumed that Lourdes was more of a kind of goofy, trickster, loose, carefree, not worried about life thing. But this almost feels like... I don't his, know, like his hair is like 
perfectly straightened every game. He uses like a straightener and does his hair every game. There is nothing loose about Lourdes Curiel. He is very meticulously put together. There mm. is a lot of thought into his appearance every single day. Right. Let's touch a little bit here about uh, fantasy baseball. What about if you lose to me, you have to pull what I'm going to call a Christian bail. So you have to put on 30 pounds. <laughs> How? How do I do that? You eat. Ask Vladdy. If you can point to a direction or a set of instructions to me that's different than what I've done this entire pandemic. Just that, live at McDonald's. I don't know. Eat pizza every day. Drink nothing but beer. I don't like, how do you not know how to put That's what I do. You don't okay. eat McDonald's. I, you're, every time I talk to you about like what you and Brittany are eating, you're always like, oh, we made a nice rice bowl with chicken. We got sushi. You don't fucking eat McDonald's. I ordered and you, Rudy you also last ordered, night. Rudy. What's that? I got... Rudy Burger, man. You know, you don't have Rudy. Oh, it's the best. It's so a, you also drink vodka sodas. You don't even drink beer anymore. So what? What are you? What are you trying to? Who are you trying to be on this podcast right now? You know that you are nothing but socialites and chicken bowls. I ate Rudy last night. Brittany went to her parents for dinner. I ordered Rudy on Uber Eats. I got a double burger i got the fries and i ordered a brownie to go along with it i ordered three cans of coke um <laughs> three cans of coke what are you 14 years old who does that i wanted a can of coke why'd you want three because i don't want to have to go to the store and i like having a coke today maybe you know i pop it in the fridge it's nice and cold i got a nice cool drink it's nice okay i gotta say too this guy i ordered uber eats um and it, to anyone out there in Toronto, if you order Uber Eats and you see a guy named Heronant coming for you on a bicycle, get a snack. Um, you know, put something good on TV because it's gonna be a while. I was tracking this guy on his bike. He was at Dufferin Grove, where he made a stop before me, somewhere around Dufferin Grove. And it took him 23 minutes to get from Dufferin Grove to my place at Lansdowne and Bloor. Anybody who doesn't live in downtown Toronto will have great context for that. That's a, that is a seven, eight-minute bike ride tops. This guy took 23 minutes. I was like, what is he doing? It's taking, it's taking five minutes for every traffic light for him to drive. And, and, and he finally, I'm, I'm looking out my window because I'm like, I got to see what this guy's setup is because he's go doing it all wrong or he's the slowest bike rider. Like he's just leisurely going for a stroll, bringing my food. I see him coming up my street from my window. He's got a bike that is child size. His knees are coming up to his, like above the handlebars, every pedal he takes. And not only that, he's on a bicycle and he doesn't have a backpack on. He's got the the bag, like like a pizza bag, balanced on his handlebars. He's trying to hold on to the bag on his handlebars. His knees are going up and banging into it. It's the stupidest thing you ever, you ever see. And because you have this no-touch thing, they, they just leave the food on your door. You're not supposed to go out there until they leave. You they can't don't go do out that. and Every Uber shit. Eats I've gotten in the last month or so, they ring on my fucking doorbell and wait for me. And it's like, dude, well, put it on the fucking ground and leave. All right. Well, I'm done with today's episode. So we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Mm -hmm.